Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fence side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and on Spotify. Check out our merch store on thefinside.threadless.com. The Dolphins return, return home on Sunday, thankfully, to face the 4-10 and 10 Jacksonville Jaguars at Hard Rock Stadium at noon Central, 1 Eastern. Dolphins are currently favored by only four points in this contest. On the injury front right now, Xavier Howard has returned to practice is expected to play after missing the last two weeks with a knee injury. Ziggy Hood, TJ McDonald, and Kiko Alonso held out of practice, so it's going to be very iffy of whether or not they play in this contest. We'll see how that materializes throughout the week. For the Jaguars, Jeremy Pornell, the right tackle, and a very good one, is looking like he's going to miss the game, which he's supposed to go up against Cameron Wake. So could cause a lot of big problems here. Paul, the Dolphins... I mean, they better win this game. I mean, they're 6-1 and one at home. They're 1-6 and six on the road. The Jaguars started off the season 3-1. and one. They've lost 10 of their last 11 games. This is one they've got to have. It really is. And, you know, one intriguing storyline to this I haven't seen a lot about is I think this is going to be the first time Tannehill uh, steps onto a field across from Calais Campbell since that tragedy two years ago that derailed uh, so many things over the past couple of seasons. So it could be an interesting storyline there, especially given watching Miami's offensive line against, I'll call it a lesser defensive line last week, um, and allowing so many sacks. Uh, Miami's running backs allowing so many sacks. I mean, nine sacks in last week's game. It's, you know, with Calais Campbell and I can't even pronounce his name, and Gukwe or whatever Yannick it is and Gukwe. Oh, I did get it right. Son of yes, a bitch. Yes, you did. All right. So, with with, with Campbell and Gukwe across there, I mean, they, they actually combined have over half the sacks for that team. And I think they've got 15 sacks between them. I think Calais has eight and Gukwe has seven. And Miami's offensive line and, and running backs last week showed they could not stop any form of a pass rush. So, that could get very interesting, especially if – the Jaguars watched the way that Anthony Barr was used in in some blitz packages there that got him through untouched because you got a quick run linebacker in Miles Jack. So I mean, if Jacksonville was watching in schemes, something we're a little unfamiliar with watching Matt Burke watch and scheme, um, it could cause some fits for this offensive line that they can hopefully cl- close up in this game. Yeah, good point on that. And Miles Jack as well as Telvin Smith, so they've got a lot of speed at that linebacker spot. And it, to me, it should be very simple for the Dolphins. It's hard to ask in a hurt Kenyon Drake and a very green Kalen Balage 
to block two blitzing linebackers. Very simply, if they're going to send the house on every play, you get one of those guys out into the flat and you throw it out there until they stop bringing the house. You see the Chiefs do it all the time. You see the Eagles do it all the time. I wish the Dolphins would do it a little bit more instead of just trying to hold the ball in the pocket and run their play. So, yeah, and going back to the quarterback spot and the protection, I always bash Ryan Tannehill for holding the ball too long. And I'll, this is not – I mean, I'm sure I'll do it in the final two games this year too. But I can't blame him for last week as much. I mean, he was sacked nine times. I watched all nine of those. And on eight of them, the guy did not have a chance. So that's something that bears watching this week. Something else that bears watching is Laramie Tunzel and Jawan James – have been superstars this year in protecting Ryan Tannehill in the quarterback and Brock Osweiler in the quarter in, in the pocket too. But not a good game last week from Juwan, especially from Juwan James, where on two of the sacks he just looked silly. So it's going to be important to keep Tannehill upright in this game for sure. Yeah, and and really, you know, maybe this will be the week that Adam Gase deploys his personnel correctly. I mean, you talk about and whichever way you feel about about Rashad Jones earlier this year, whichever way you feel about Jordan Phillips earlier this year, I don't like the way that they handled it, but we're seeing personnel misuses. Players are talking about being misused. Um, at what point in time does something break with this coaching staff and they start to, you know, simple things, simple things. Jonathan Woodard looked good when he got in. In play, so you get him out there and bench Charles Harris's ass and bring him out there in street clothes. Um, you know, Jake Brendel looks like not just a serviceable offensive lineman, a, a damn good one yet again. And you see him in the inactive list and Ted Larson, who's made one block. It was a critical block, but one block all season long. Uh, you know, out there and active. It, it's you see Kenyon Drake who I saw Frank Gore go down. I was sad to see Frank Gore go down, but I'm like, you know what? This is going to be great. We're going to see a very healthy dose of the explosive Kenyon Drake being spelled by a little bit of Kalen Bellage, and it's going to look beautiful. And instead, you see a healthy dose of Kalen Bellage and a minuscule amount of Kenyon Drake. And over and over, there's so many things along this offense you could talk about. I mean, uh, to be honest with you, the only thing I'm shocked by at this point is the fact that when Tannehill came back healthy, the Gase didn't keep Osweiler in. Well, I mean, another thing is Kalen Balaj on the season had, what, nine rushes, and then you're forced to play him. And he has 13 carries for 123 yards. And to show you how mm -hmm. incredible that was last week, the Vikings had not let a running back over 90 yards the entire season. Balage goes off for 123. And uh, on Kenyon Drake, too, yes, I understand he was a little bit hurt in, this, in that game. And if that's the reason he only touched the ball four times, then that's one thing. But that better be the reason. But on the other hand, you can't turn around and say this guy is too hurt to get the ball, but he's not too hurt to be trying to pick up a blitzing Anthony Barr on pass protection. Or return kicks. Or, or return kicks, yes, exactly. Like, that doesn't make sense. So there, there are a lot of things with this, with the misuse that you talked about, Paul. But one thing I am looking forward to is, as much as I love Frank Gore, the one thing about him is that 
kind of like with Cam Wake on the defensive side of the ball, even if he plays very, very well, you wonder if the guy's even going to be back next year, either because of age or because he's a free agent. Now the Dolphins are really forced to use Kenyon Drake and Kalen Bellage as those top two running backs. It's important in these last two games. They play good defenses, and if these guys do well, you're going to have a heck of a tandem making a combined $1.8 million. Yeah, it's uh, – and you remember during our preseason coverage, and I'm sure plenty of our listeners remember, when, when Miami drafted Kalen Bellage, I think – I think you and I talked at length about it, and I remember saying that what I would like to see from the Dolphins is start out the year with a healthy split between Frank Gore and Kenyon Drake, and they didn't exactly do that healthy split, but you know it was supposedly split, and work Bellage in as the season goes on, and he could be that guy as they got to December that really keeps Frank Gore's butt over on the bench as a nice-to-have. And, you know, it, it did take a gore injury, but, God, it looks like Balazs should have been seeing some carries well before now based on how he played. Um, I know we saw a handful, but it's just – I'm just so over this personnel misusage. And I'm also over the sports science group that supposedly is there to prevent injuries, and we've got one of the most catastrophic IR lists in the league. Yeah, the – and looking, too, at the running backs, Brandon Bolden, again, one carry for 12 yards last week. Then you don't see him again. I mean, these running backs on the season averaging 4.97 yards a carry. That is an astounding number for yards per carry. The Dolphins are running the ball very, very well this year, and that's an understatement. Run the ball till it hurts, then pull it back, do some play actions, and try to get some people open. I, I Again, football's not that hard. I'm sorry. Adam Gase can talk all he wants about that, but keep doing something until it's working. Don't try to beat them to the punch by getting cute. Um, so, Well, and I, I just want to jump in there real quick, something you just said. Run till it hurts and then play action the hell out of them. Miami runs till it hurts, gets close to the goal line, and then goes five wide where, with no protection for Tannehill and, and the defense knowing he's throwing the ball. I mean, yeah. how dumb is that? I mean, if you're running till it hurts – and they're they're on their heels looking for it. Play action out of that. Put Drake in the backfield and, and send him out on a route even. Because I'm sorry, that helps the offensive line keep the defensive line at bay if they're having to account for things. If they're not having to account for anything, we saw what happened when they did Bellage and the Wildcat with nobody else that could get the ball. They knew exactly what to be line for. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And when they do a wheel route with Kenyon Drake, Ryan Tannehill better see him because they didn't last game at least one time, which would have been a very easy walk-in touchdown for, for Kenyon. And Tannehill, these last two games are very, very meaningful for me with Ryan Tannehill because I started coming around last week because I thought he had a very good game in New England, even though he only threw the ball 19 times. I can't really blame him a lot for what happened last time, but still – 11 for 24, even in the rare times he was protected, he missed a lot of throws too. So he's somebody in the last two games. You're playing Jacksonville and Buffalo, two very good pass defenses. These are games that he has to win and put up some big boy numbers and move the ball on third down where the Dolphins have been 5 for 28 in the last three games. Yeah, and and, and one thing I'll add to that as well from from last week is – 
Danny Amendola needs to take the boxing gloves off and put his receiving gloves on because last week was horrible. And every single drop or misreception was a critical moment, which is what he is here for. And, you know, it's if the offense is struggling enough and Tannehill gets time to actually throw it to the guy on third down or, you know, goal to go or, or what have you, and he's basically out there catching the ball like, oh, I can't think of the name of the safety we had a few years ago that was great at everything except for catching the ball when it hit him in the face. Uh, yes, he, he, he played like Chris Clemens last week. You know, he got downfield, was, was in position, and the ball hit him right in the face or the hands and, and just put it right down on the turf. Uh, and hopefully it was an aberration for, for Amendola, but really he, he's not doing Tannehill any favors or the team any favors if he's out there dropping balls, and that is his one job. Yeah, um, yes, it is his one job. And Amendola has zero value on this team if he can't catch a ball put right in his hands. And he's dropped several of them over the last few weeks. So he's owed $6 million next year. Dolphins can cut him with no penalty. I've heard that's not going to happen. We'll see if it does. Looking, uh, Staying on the offensive side of the ball, the Jaguars obviously have a lot of very good players. Clayus Campbell, Miles Jack, Telvin Smith that we've talked about. Also, one of the best cornerback tandems in the league in Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Boye, but they've been playing a little bit further off receivers trying to bait them. So it's going to it's going to be really on Kenny Stills and Devontae Parker on the outside. They're going to be tested big time. But to, to me on offense, what the Dolphins need to do is break one or two big runs with Kenyon Drake and Kalen Balage, get that lead, because I think if they do grab a lead in this game, they're going to be able to pressure the hell out of Cody Kessler on the Jaguars' side because the Jaguars are going to be missing four of their five offensive linemen that started the year. Three of them are on injured reserve. That's uh, Brandon Linder, Andrew Norwell, and Cameron Robinson. And right tackle Jeremy Parnell is supposed to be missing in this game too. They're literally pulling people off the street. You better get pressure on Cody Kessler in this game. Completely, and Miami has the talent on that defensive line to do that. And I would really like to see them do something similar to what I said Jacksonville needs to do in this game and take Jerome Baker and occasionally stunt him. He's shown some beautiful things when he stunts. And let's get back to Bobby McCain doing a couple of stunts because we've all seen how beautifully that worked in critical situations. And Kiko Alonso, very iffy for this game, as is TJ McDonald. I mean, it would be interesting for me if Alonzo and McDonald didn't play, the Dolphins had more speed and fewer blown assignments in the back seven with these younger players. And then we start looking at them like, ah, maybe they don't need to be on the team so much next year. So that would also keep Jerome Baker on the field probably every snap, which is something that we want to see anyway. So a lot of interesting well, things in this game. And one thing I'll add on top of that is – if TJ McDonald doesn't play in this game and we see Minka playing safety and playing that deep safety role that allows Rashad Jones to move up to the line and he suddenly has a Rashad Jones like monster game, it's not going to quiet any critics out there after this past week. Yeah, and I'm going to park what I feel about Rashad Jones and what happened earlier this year for a minute. Playing him as a single high free safety is by far the stupidest move that we've seen out there uh, makes completely no sense. You're literally taking the guy from what he does well 
and putting him into something that he doesn't do well. Same thing with Mike Gesicki and keeping him into block and running horizontal routes instead of vertical routes. Just we, I mean, we could have a whole show on our, our uh, so looking at the Jaguars on, on a wide receiver and running back to Leonard Fournette has not had a good season. He's been hurt. He's been frustrated. He was punching Shaq Lawson in the face a couple of weeks ago for Buffalo. 3.4 yards of carry on the air. But I'll tell you what, this run defense needs to step up. It's very Jekyll and Hyde. Over the last eight weeks, there have been four running backs on the opposing team who have had over 1,000 yards with 25 minutes left to go in the game. Pretty bad. If Leonard Fournette gets on a roll here, that's not good for the Dolphins' defense. I think any team that gets the lead here is going to win in a low-scoring game. Well, Kat, I, I do want to correct you there. It, it may have felt like they had 1,000 yards in the game, but it, it was only over 100, as, as, as bad as it felt in those games. They did oh, no. only have over 100 yards. 100. Uh, it, yeah, it felt like 1,000. <laughs> but, no, I feel you on that. It, it's – Miami's been weird, and I know we've talked about this at length, so I won't beat a dead horse, but they've played well against the good running backs, and they play piss-poor against the piss-poor running backs. It's For some reason, Miami always plays to the level of their competition at numerous positions, and that's something that needs to change as part of that culture change Gase keeps preaching about but not practicing. Yeah, I feel that the Dolphins' defense is going to bring it. I, I think this is going to be kind of – one of those games that we saw several weeks ago when the Dolphins beat the Jets 13-6. to I think they'll score a few more points in this contest. What is your prediction here, Paul? I think Miami pulls it out. Um, I think the Jags are reeling a bit too much. I do think Cody Kessler is just an absolute garbage heap at quarterback right now. Uh, he's just a more appealing garbage heap than Blake Bortles. Um, I think Miami pulls this one off 21-13. I'm going to go with 16 to 7 Dolphins in this one. I think they keep it very low scoring. They run the ball a lot more and really see what Kalen Balaj and Kenyon Drake are made of. At least that's what I would do in this game. And maybe a few more touches for Brandon Bolden. But let's take a look before we wrap the show up of just some playoff odds for our listeners. I was playing around with the New York Times playoff calculator where you pick a team, you hit submit, and then it gives you the odds few interesting things to look out for. So if the Dolphins lose either of their last two games, they're out. We can just stop it right there. We don't even have to think about the rest. If, and also the Patriots are going to win the division, deal with it. They play the Jets and they play the Bills at home the final two weeks. They're going to win the division. That's out of our hands too. But if the Dolphins win their final two games without taking anything else into consideration, they have a 30% chance of getting a wild-card spot. This Saturday, for people watching the game, root for the Redskins to beat the Titans and the Chargers to beat the Ravens. Because if the Redskins win and the Chargers win and the Dolphins win their last two games, the Dolphins have a 60% chance of winning a wild-card spot. If the Dolphins win their last two games and the Colts and Titans both win, they only have a 9% chance the Colts and Titans both lose Dolphins have a 79% chance with just those things happening not even taking the Saturday games into account so there's a lot of interesting things going up all of them have to involve the Dolphins winning their final two games and getting some luck there's no doubt about that there's still a lot of salvation 
for this team and a lot for play, people like Adam Gaze and Ryan Tannehill to play for, Paul, in these final two weeks. There really is, and, you know, it's just it's a scenario where he's got to start doing things the right way. He keeps talking about fixing mistakes, and his are the most glaring at the moment. So definitely need – I mean, Miami should win these two games. There, there's eight wins combined between the two opponents coming up. So, I mean, that yeah, should tell man. you right there. Yes, and I'm tired of listening to these coaches talk right now because Matt, Matt Burke takes the stand today. Last thing is – and he said, uh, I would challenge anybody that says that there's anything wrong with – I'm not not exact quote, but I challenge anybody that says that scheme wise there's something wrong with the defense. Like I mean, I don't even know where where to start with that level of delusion when you've got when you can't stop the run and you can't stop the pass. Hopefully, the Dolphins in these last two weeks against much less offenses can pull something together and we can see those strengths for the rest of the year and for 2019. That will do it for our breakdown of the Jaguars Dolphins matchup. For this Sunday, noon central, one Eastern time, two weeks weeks left to go in the regular season. You can follow Paul and I on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and on Spotify. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to do again. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.